One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, guys, this is part 15 of our Wisdom Field Warrior series in School of the Holy Spirit. And I uh, just want to encourage you guys, I'm getting emails and, uh, you know, different types of communication. You know, I know there's a lot of uh, people who are really thirsting and hungering for uh, deliverance and the, the prophetic realm and the deep encounters of the Holy Spirit. Um, but I also know that there are, you know, there's people listening that you're brand new. Maybe you've just been baptized in the Holy Spirit or this, you know, this is just some of this stuff is foreign. Um, I just encourage, uh, yeah, I encourage you follow your heart. Um, you know, this is something that um, has to be caught uh, in some respects, you know, there's teaching, there, there's a teaching thing to it, but a lot of this is is caught in the spirit. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've, I've emphasized in, in several of these teachings about the importance that you're actually receiving an impartation of the Holy Ghost, right? You are receiving something that is supernatural. You can't create it. And so the learning piece of it has to be so connected to the Holy Spirit that it's actually revealed to you that wisdom is actually imparted to you, that the whip uh, that Christ gave me in that dream um, that included deliverance, wisdom, and revelation, it, it, it was an impartation, right? It was a stage in my progress toward the the, the fullness or, or the, the, the equipping that I have as of today. Uh, it was a stage in that growth, right? And so, um, again, I just want to encourage you, there is no discouragement in Christ. There is no condemnation. There is no shame. Um, only gifts. There, there, There's a grace, right? There's an impartation of the supernatural that Jesus has to give you. And your destiny is a, it's a discovery process. It's a, um, it's an onion being peeled layer by layer to get to the core of what uh, you really are. Okay. And so, uh, do not walk away from any of this discouraged. And I also would like to encourage you don't walk away saying this guy is crazy. Okay. This guy, um, I'm not sure I believe any of this stuff because, you know, until you actually have an encounter that takes you to heaven, until you actually have a, an extended dream at night where you wake up with your hair standing electrified in the presence of the Lord because he visited you and, and imparted something to you and you wake up, you're changed, right? You went to bed struggling with, with, a, with a fear and you wake up in the power of the Holy Ghost because you received an impartation in a dream. Um, you know, you have to have a mindset that is expectant, a heart that is expectant in the supernatural to hold, to dig, to drive toward um, receiving uh, the next thing from the Holy Spirit. So I just want to encourage you guys, um, just keep the right mindset as we're progressing through this. And, um, you know, again, we're, this isn't normal church, right? You're you're not uh, going to sit on Sunday and get a 15 minute sermonette, and out the door you go, and you you know just you, people go through life and they really don't know the Holy Spirit, right? We talked we talked about the the spirit of knowledge about you actually knowing Christ and being imparted the anointing continuously in your relationship, right? So knowledge is more of about your hearing of the Lord's voice than reading about him in the love letter, right? The thing that we call scripture, right? Um, and so you are called to be a warrior in the garden, not a gardener in a war. I don't care what uh, you grew up in. I don't care what limitation you have or had, or whatever the situation is, um, the Lord has a plan for your life, and it includes the fullness of the equipping of the Holy Ghost that uh, 
every demon, every curse, everything that worked to break and enslave your forefathers, um, it's being broken and separated from you so that you, in the power of the Holy Ghost, can go and multiply according to the vision of the Lord. Amen. So I want to talk to you today about um, the aspect of strategic, what I'll call strategic prophecy. Um, and we, we've been talking about wisdom and how wisdom is crucial. Um, you know, when Paul prayed that the church, the body, you as a believer um, would not only receive revelation, but you would also receive wisdom with the heart of Christ to do the work of Christ, okay? And so wisdom is crucial, right? We talked about the dream I shared um I don't know if it was last session or or maybe two or three sessions ago where I shared the dream of the seven foot tall white owl and the seven foot tall white eagle. Um, the names they had written on them, the the nature of each of them, the strategy revealed by the owl, the, the heart of vengeance revealed by the eagle and its intent to actually cleanse a house, right? Together, the owl and the eagle, right? The vengeance of God and the wisdom of God connect together with the intent of unleashing the supernatural on a house which um with with an intent of delivering the house fully not just what appears on the surface right we talked about the serpents that appear on the surface that were easily seen in the grass around the house but we also talked about the python the constricting spirit the the hidden uh dark curse that tries to constrict the foundation, right? And the intent of the owl and the eagle together to go into the house uh, with the angels of the Lord and together to literally cleanse the house so that there is a, there's a freedom in the foundation of, of the house to breathe in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, right? And you can apply that vision to a church body but more importantly, apply it to um, a person, okay? Just a little lesson here, a little sidebar, a little, little gold nugget for you. Um, you know, you are the temple in the new covenant. It's not a building, right? That has to sink in. It's not a church building, right? When the Lord sends me into, um, in, into churches, I help leaders if they want help to actually be cleansed and delivered of theological positions that limit the outpouring of the Holy Ghost because there is the, the, the Holy Ghost is not limited. He doesn't limit himself, okay? The only limit is the lack of reception or lack of embrace of the Holy Spirit. So the theology that le church leadership holds on to is actually the constriction on the church, right? It's not It's not the Holy Ghost. It's actually the relational or the lack of relational connection of the body. But as an individual, you are the temple, right? So you have an influence. You have the ability to receive the Holy Spirit or not. And so, you know, in the, in, uh, what is it? Uh, second, in the book of Second Samuel, chapter seven, David um, is is moving into a time of his kingship where he looks around and he says, um, "Lord, I'm going to build you a house." And the Lord basically wakes wakes the prophet up in the middle of the night and says, "Go tell David this: um, that he's not going to build me a house. I am making him a house." Right? That's a prophecy of what is to come in the in the new covenant that Jesus makes you the temple of God. Right? And when Jesus brings a whip into the temple, what's he doing? He's actually bringing deliverance into you. He's actually coming to not only bring you wisdom and revelation, but the heart of Christ is to drive out the, the, the serpents that are on the surface and the serpents that are in your foundation, the, the, the thought processes, the limiting factors that came from your dad, your mom, your uncles, um, everybody in your bloodline that participated in idolatry and witchcraft and dead religion and all these things that establish your DNA and limit you 
in the embrace of the Holy Spirit. And the, the Lord actually says, no, I'm going to set my, my throne up on their heart. And my, my son, Jesus Christ, is going to carry a whip in his hand. It's a three-cord whip that, that has wisdom, revelation, and deliverance woven through it with the intent to drive out evil from the heart of man, right? And so that's a picture that's a picture of of deliverance and the intent of Jesus bringing deliverance to you. It's and and I and I've said this on many times in our discussions. Um, it's a fallacy for you to believe that you've you have a great theological position um, because there's always higher degrees of wisdom. There's always high degrees of revelation. And if you think you've already achieved, that's what the Pharisee did, right? That was the mindset of the Pharisee. Um, the other thing that is important to wrap your mind around is the concept of demons. A lot of people have, have this weird thing like, I'm glad I don't have demons. I'm glad there's no demonic influence over me. I'm glad that uh, that issue is something they deal with and not me. Well, guess what? Um, I'm here to, I hate to burst your bubble, but that's a lie. What is behind a, a false theology? The demonic. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about that. I'm not going to go back and reteach it. But what is what is behind the act of sin? What is behind lust, perversion? What is behind um, laziness? What is what is behind self-exhortation and, and amplifying yourself and making yourself um, great in the eyes of people? That's demonic. There's a demonic whispering um, thing behind all of that stuff because it's not just human emotion, the the brokenness of a human soul. Um, what rests in the darkness is the demonic. That's they, it says that they go. Um, actually, Luke 11, right? We talked about Luke 11. Um, that that uh, Jesus revealed. He's he's given insight about demons finding rest in the broken places of the human soul, right? And so they stay hidden, they stay in the foundation until somebody comes with the whip and begins um, to strategically work with people on how to pursue the Lord, how to pray, how to, um, you know, knock on the door, the darkness, the door of darkness, so to speak, and um, call forward uh, demonic powers so that they can be revealed and, and cast out. And I've told you a lot of stories over, you know, the last few months about you know, confronting the demonic, facing facing the demonic in the midst of, you know, as I prophesy to people, um, prophecy uproots, destroys that false uh, hiding place, that dark thing, right, with the um, positioning us to cast those devils out. And so I just encourage you guys, keep that as the backdrop as we talk through this today, because I'm talking, I'm going to talk more about the gift of prophecy and why prophecy is so important in deliverance ministry. Um, because, you know, without prophecy, the kingdom isn't imparted. And if you just start commanding things to come out, oftentimes what's needed to drive out the darkness isn't, isn't revealed. It's not established. It's not planted in the heart, right? We talked, we talked about, um, the parable of the sower, and the one thing, you know, Jesus said, if you understand this parable, you understand all things about the kingdom because the seed, the only thing that can reproduce in the kingdom is the seed. What is the seed? The seed is the, the direct voice, which he, he, he said he would reveal or give to, to man in the new covenant, right? The outpouring of dreams, visions, um, and the the uh, prophetic voice of the Lord would be given to the people. Amen. And so this is an important thing to wrap your mind around. Uh, it's a very supernatural thing to embrace and know that the Lord wants to speak, that the Lord wants to do a supernatural thing, that the Lord has a plan to literally release heaven on earth and plant his seed in people so that reproduction happens in them, in their heart, as they hold on to what the Lord says. And then they go and get to discern the voice of the Lord and release the seeds that produce life, right? That both drive out the demonic and um, establish the kingdom at the same time with the ability to reproduce. And so 
I want to, you know, jump deeper into this concept of how supernatural you become when you begin to pray in tongues and prophesy the vision that the Lord drops in your heart, right? You, you then become a producer in the kingdom. You carry something that is supernatural. It's not man-made. It's not something that you try to memorize by putting enough book time and scripture time into things. It's because of your relationship and hearing the Lord and what he's saying that when you go and release what he's saying, you are releasing power on the earth, right? You don't you can't give power without the source of power. You can't give supernatural insight and prophetic knowledge without knowing the supernatural one, Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus is a spirit. So the only way for you to impart the kingdom is actually to receive the kingdom, right? And so your definition of kingdom becomes very important. A lot of people have the fallacy that because they have the Bible and they share the Bible that they're they're imparting the kingdom, and that's not necessarily true. The kingdom is where you will live forever as you are in Christ. And from the kingdom, Jesus said, I pray, you know, that the the, the Lord's prayer that you would bring heaven to earth, right? That you would um, know the Father and his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And so as you embrace the supernatural power source being the Holy Ghost, right? The access port, the, the tunnel of heaven, the ladder of heaven, um, as you embrace and engage him, it's a continuous flow out of heaven. That's that's why the Lord emphasizes that it's about hearing me and knowing me. It's the dream and the vision, the prophecy of the Lord that is the source of life that, that releases um, words that change the world. Okay. And so knowing that, I want to, I want to, um, talk to you about a, another dream I had, uh, with the big white owl, the seven foot owl. Okay. Um, several weeks after I had experienced the first dream that I shared with you a few weeks ago, um, I had the following dream. And in this dream, I was asleep inside my house. Um, I am suddenly awakened to see the walls breathing with the power of the Holy Spirit. The white owl appears beside me and takes me by the hand, leading me to walk through the wall of the house. I'm shocked as as we walk through the wall and are now standing in a play, in the place of the yard where I was looking at the house, um, as well as the rest of the neighborhood in the previous dream. Okay, the white owl selects a specific house across the street. As we leave the yard and approach the other house, wisdom starts to speak to me about the heart of man and how the nature of sin builds walls to hide the vulnerable inner parts of the heart. He looks at me in the eyes, eye to eye, and says, but I have an antidote for that. And as we are standing in front of the new house he selected, he walks through the wall of the house, and I stand in awe at what he just did. He, he comes back outside and says, you can do that too. So get this picture. He walks through the wall of a neighboring house. He walks back out. He sees I'm astonished that he walked through the wall. And he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the wall. Okay. Once he leads me through the wall and, and we enter into the kitchen of the house, he instructs me to walk out of the house and then walk back in. And so I do so. So I walk out, I walk back in, and now we're both standing in the kitchen and he knows that I know that I can do this now. I have the ability that he imparted to me to go to go in and out of the the limiting forces, the walls of a heart, okay? And so we're standing in the kitchen and he hands me a Sharpie, a Sharpie pen. And he's got a Sharpie pen in his hand, too. And he starts writing certain things. He starts writing, um, uh, you know, there's certain scriptures he writes all over the kitchen. And he starts writing, um, you are this, you are not this. Um, and he, he's basically defining um, the kitchen by what he writes on it. Okay. And so he's watching, he's letting me watch him. And then he turns to me and he says, um, you can write. You can write on the heart, okay? You can write in the kitchen, and so he, so I start to write, and and as I as I pick up the pen, I put the the sharpie um, all over you know the walls, 
you know, these prophetic utterances come out of me and I start to identify certain things and say certain things. And this, again, guys, this is all happening in a dream, but the gist, I'm like capturing the reality of what he's imparting to me in the dream. And the next thing that happens is pretty strategic. So pay attention to this, okay? Um, He takes a handful of seed from a seed bag that he has around his waist and he throws it onto the the floor. It's a ceramic floor. And I start to question him. I said, why are you throwing seed on a, on a ceramic floor? Seed can't grow. Um, seed needs soil to grow. It can't grow on a hard ceramic floor. So why are you doing this? Okay. The white owl responds to me again. He looks me in the eye with af- absolute con- confidence and he he looks at me with this like sarcastic grin on his face and he says, you couldn't walk through walls either, could you? And, I, you know, I'm, I'm like, boom, he got me, right? He got my heart. He, he, he had convinced me through what he had already proven and gave him the ability to do to, to do something supernatural in a dream, okay? And so I got the point, okay? And so um, he gives me the seed bag. And he encourages me to throw seed on on the ceramic floor of the kitchen. And when I do, instantly, the ceramic breaks under the power of the seed. Okay? And the seed literally falls. um, It's like soil comes up out out of the ceramic tile and surrounds the seed. And instantly, the seed grows roots. And it begins to grow a shoot to form a tree coming up, okay? And so I'm in absolute awe, like, at the power of the seed. And the owl um, looks at me, and he says this, The kitchen represents the heart of man, and you've been given the ability to break through the hardest hearts, to write the prophetic vision of the Lord upon it, and it will reproduce 30, 60, and 100-fold. Okay. So let's just get this straight, guys. Wisdom comes, and he's teaching me a supernatural thing. He's he's actually imparting a gift to me. He's imparting an ability to me that um, I maybe toyed with before or didn't wrap my mind around. But now he was making sure that I was aware that prophetically the Lord was calling me to minister um, knowing that I did not have limitation, that I could actually prophesy to people right? The kitchen is a representation of the heart of something, either the heart of an individual or the heart of an organization, okay? And the Sharpie pen is symbolic as scripture and and different prophecies were coming as we wrote on the walls of the kitchen or on the walls of the heart with the Sharpie. Um, You know, it talks about in the book of Psalms that the the prophet has the pen of a ready writer. He is actually um, writing the vision of the Lord on the hearts of people, okay? And so this picture is being profoundly revealed to me in that um, it's not there, it's not a person's hardness of heart that limits me. As a prophetic gift, as an anointed prophetic voice, the Lord has equipped me to bypass all of those limitations. And you may say, well, how does that work? It's a, it's a spiritual gift. It's imparted. It was imparted to me. Okay, this isn't about me knowing enough scripture to assess a person. Okay, has absolutely nothing to do with the amount of scripture I understand and know and all of that stuff. This is 100% reliant upon the Holy Spirit who stands beside me when I minister to people to discern the situation, to discern the heart of man, and to understand what's locked inside of it, okay? And then when he gives me a, a, a vision a, uh, or a, a prophecy, a word of knowledge about a person, that I'm literally throwing seed, I've bypassed the hardness of the heart. I now I'm standing in the middle of the heart and I can release the seed that the Lord gives me, the prophecy. And when I plant it, it doesn't matter how hard the heart is. It doesn't matter how 
you know, strong uh, or resistant the person is, when I prophesy the word of the Lord to a person, I know that that seed will break the hard floor. That seed, that pen will rewrite the destiny of, of people, right? And that's a picture of prophecy, guys. And that's, that, is a, that is a spiritual impartation. I can't stress to you enough. And, and people say, why do you pray in tongues so much? Why do you um, do all this like praying in tongues and, and uh, prophesying your prophecies? Why do you do all that stuff so much? And I mean, because of this, because when I pray and I call on my father, spirit to fear, spirit, yeah, spirit to spirit, um, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, my, the father in heaven, Somebody comes to reveal to me the next thing that I've cried out for as a son. Okay. I know that when I pray in tongues, he turns and looks at me, right? I taught you guys that. If you haven't listened to that one, you need to go back and listen to it because tongues is the centerpiece of you becoming spiritual. Tongues is the centerpiece that gives you access into the Holy of Holies to see Christ face to face and have the kingdom of heaven imparted to you. Okay. And again, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I believe in the, the Bible is true. I believe the Bible is a hundred percent true. Okay. And I've learned that the, the Lord has taken me to the Bible to teach me many things to, to reveal to me many spiritual things. But the Bible is not my source of power. The living Christ is my source of power. The one who speaks to me every day is my source of power. He imparts his kingdom to me. And the only thing I have to give is the seed that's imparted to me. I get to impart that seed. And that imparted seed, right, breaks through limitation. It breaks through anything that man can uh, use or the demonic can use to keep men bound in darkness, okay? So the issue is never the demonic. The issue is, is really um, the, the embrace of the kingdom, which is the voice, right? The kingdom of heaven is voice-driven. It is the seed. It is the one thing Jesus said in the parable of the sower. If you understand this parable, you'll understand the kingdom. If you don't, you're, you know, you've got you're, all these different parable, parable interpretations and thoughts about what the kingdom is and what Jesus is. That's where we get all these denominations. Okay. And so there's only one thing that reproduces, and that is the seed. One thing the seed is living, it is the rhema word of the Lord. It is what the Lord is saying right now, today. Okay. And so I just want to emphasize the fact that, you know, this, this ability of the seed is illustrated. We've talked about this several times as well, but in Jeremiah chapter one, verse nine to 12, when the Lord touches Jeremiah's mouth and says, I'm calling you as a, as a prophetic voice, I'm calling you to speak my vision. And he's saying, I promise to you, I'll execute it, Right. The Lord said that when you when you speak my vision, when you prophesy what I tell you to prophesy, that it roots out, pulls down and destroys demonic kingdoms and it builds and plants the kingdom of heaven. OK, it's living, right? It literally is living. And the Lord promises Jeremiah, he tests him. What do you see? What is the vision that you see? And the, and the Lord says, I will execute what I let you see. Okay, so this is 100% relational. This doesn't have anything with anything about what Jeremiah has memorized. It has zero to do with what Jeremiah knows about the law of Moses and, and every, every other thing. Okay, it has everything to do with Jeremiah being in relationship, hearing what the Lord is saying and speaking it. Okay, and that is what that is what Satan fears, right? What comes to get the seed? Satan comes to choke it out, steal it, take it, do anything other than let it take root, grow a shoot, and produce fruit, right? And all of a sudden, there's a hundred people 
with the ability to pray in tongues and prophesy and multiply and and create the kingdom of heaven because they hold the seed, right? Satan fears that. He doesn't, he doesn't actually fear a hundred people sitting down to memorize a Bible verse. That doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't fear Satan. He doesn't come to steal that seed. What he does come to steal is the prophetic anointing, right? The word, the, the, the antichrist is the anti-anointing. The, the, you know, the word Christ is the anointing. And so the war is between the anointing and the anti-anointing. It's not against the anti-Bible. I mean, there's, there's billions and billions of copies of the Bible all throughout the world. But there's a very small, true embrace of the anointing. Why is that? Because Satan works diligently to steal the anointing. He will do everything possible to take the living voice of the Lord, the anointing of God, the presence of the Holy Ghost, to get your heart to leave go of it. And that's the parable, guys. To get your heart to literally leave go of absolute reliance on the presence of the Lord, the one who speaks. Amen? And so I'm teaching you guys how to be a warrior, how to literally hold on to his voice no matter what. Don't don't succumb to these religious dead routines and traditions that 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 literally inundate the American church, making it powerless. If put it this way, guys, if Satan feared you, you'd know it. Okay? If Satan feared you, you would be visited in the night, you'd be you would be tormented, you would have an enemy coming to steal the seed. And I'll tell you some stories here in the next couple of weeks about the time in the desert and how the Lord proves you to, in the holding on of the anointing because it's crucial in your awakening of a warrior. But for today, I just I want to focus on your revelation of how powerful the prophetic is, okay? Because your value system will dictate where you go in life. If you value the anointing and you thirst after the anointing, it will pr- reproduce, some of you maybe tenfold. Some of you maybe thirty. Some of you maybe a hundred. Some of you a thousand. Some of you a hundred thousand fold. Okay, it all depends on your thirst in in your revelation that the kingdom of heaven is voice driven and that you thirst after it. Okay, and so you know when you're called, the Lord actually calls you to do things that are are so against your natural mind, um, but they're supernatural. Okay. God doesn't call you to do things that are possible. If if you can do if your walk in life is possible, then you need to meet the Holy Spirit because the Lord calls people to do supernatural things, things that you can't do, things that you're not able to do, things that um cause a supernatural earthquake everywhere you go. Amen. And so I just I want to talk through um Acts chapter 9 when the Lord called Ananias to go lay hands on, you know, Saul, the greatest Pharisee of all, um, who, who, you know, he took the name Paul after he was transfigured, basically, and on the road to Damascus. But um, we'll pick up the story in Acts chapter 9. Uh, let's see here, verse 10. Um, at this point, Saul... The, the Pharisee named Saul is walking, you know, down, you know, he's on, he's on his donkey on the road to Damascus. Jesus Christ appears in, appears in front of him. And it says that um, he was blinded by the light. He was literally changed by the light as the voice of God spoke on the road, right? The words literally cut Saul's heart that pierced his heart. Jesus Christ literally stepped into his kitchen, stepped into his heart, planted seed that immediately causes caused a man to only see in the natural and zero spiritual ability to suddenly be blinded in the natural so that he could be awakened spiritually. That's a that's a that's a metaphor. That's a that's a prophetic picture of 
100% full-in, zeal-led, um, willing to kill Christians in the name of achieving the rules in the law of Moses. That's what the Pharisees did, right? Dead religion killing people, okay? People of the synagogue killing people. And so when the light comes, when the, when the living Christ speaks into the heart of Saul, the eyes of his heart are actually opened in the same process of his natural eyes being blinded. It's a, it's a prophetic picture of a transformation, of being transfigured, okay? And so at this point, verse 10, um, the Lord comes and he speaks to Ananias. And I'll just read through this because it's, uh, this is not uncommon for those who are baptized in the Holy Ghost to be awakened and have the Lord send you to do something like this, okay? Okay, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and then he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has been, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Okay. Then Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. So Ananias is scared to death. <laughs> he knows the voice of God, but he also knows reality. And he's, he's questioning the Lord. Are you serious? Are you absolutely serious? I've got a lot of those stories, guys. I mean, I've, I've told you about being given a dream and sent to the other side of the world to go to India to lead crusades. And I don't want to go down that path right now. But um, when, when you are in the spirit, you will be called to do things that appear to be like no way. That doesn't make sense. Well, guess what? The Lord doesn't make sense. He, he asks people to obey his voice. And when you obey his voice, you will reproduce. It's not if, you will. It's as simple as that. If you know his voice and then obey his voice, you will reproduce. You, you will jump completely out of trying to perform and achieve and having no idea what this religion means to being 100% all-in voice-driven because when you hear his voice and he sends you to do something that is so off the chart crazy that when you say yes and something supernatural happens, it's like you'll never be the same again because you know his voice, all right? So moving on, um, verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the, the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, laid his hands on him. And he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road to Damascus, has sent me to you that you may receive your sight. So what is Ananias doing? He's prophesying what the Lord told him to do, right? He's, he laid his hands on him, exactly what the Lord told him to do, and, say, and he's saying what the Lord said, right? Verse 15, the Lord is saying, he's a chosen vessel of mine. He is going to speak to many. He's, um, he's, there's going to be thousands upon thousands that are receiving the Holy Spirit because of this man named Saul, right? Who used to kill Christians, but he's calling you. He's speaking to your heart and breaking through that dead thing. He's breaking through the, he's rewriting destiny on your walls, Saul, right? And here's a cool thing that happened, right? It, it, it says that he laid his hands on him that you may receive sight. He's, he's speaking that stuff. And, and it says, verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay. He literally was baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost when Ananias laid hands on him. What's the pattern in, in the, the book of Acts whenever the Holy Ghost comes, right? Acts chapter 19, we've been through this stuff. Lay your hands on them. You pray for them to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. The scales fall off their eyes and suddenly they're supernatural in the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? The wind of God comes. They pray in tongues and prophesy and the supernatural happens. That's, that's the pattern, right? And so, you know, this concept of scales falling off the eyes um, is symbolic of deliverance, okay? You know, it's not, it's not a coincidence 
that the Lord uses a specific term to reveal that what appeared to be as scales. I mean, can you picture this? This is a supernatural sign. This is a wonder, right? It's, it's actually a prophecy that the viper that, that Paul worshipped, that he didn't even know that he worshipped, right? The G, Jesus called the Pharisees vipers and, and uh, dead men's bones, and, and uh, you are of your father the devil, the serpent of old, right? That's what Jesus said. That's what he called the Pharisees, and, and Saul was the greatest of them all. He killed more Christians than any of them. He was zealous to to in, uh, to to make the law of Moses the law of the land, right? And the Lord broke into Saul's heart, speaks to his heart, breaks through the ceramic floor, rewrites his destiny on the walls of his heart, prophetically, right? In these scales of what Saul used to be driven by, and the important thing is here, guys, it wasn't just a dead religious. Um, application of the law of Moses. It was the demonic realm that turned what was supposed to help people and reveal the need of a savior, right? That's that's really, we talked about this before. The law of Moses was actually um, meant to reveal the fact that, okay, if you don't want to come up the mountain to meet me face to face, then I'm going to give you a law that breaks you. I'm going to give you a law that you realize you can't achieve and you it, t- it tires you, it wears you out. It gets you to a point that you fall down on your face and you cry out to meet the Lord face to face and actually embrace his invitation, which was the original invitation back in the book of, of, of Exodus when the Lord brought Moses up the mountain and then sent him back down with an invitation to come up. And they, they refused. They stood at the bottom and shook in fear instead of embracing the gift. Okay? And so all the all the demonic does is even twist that law of Moses in a way that the people are, are actually, they become self-worshippers. They make their own God out of Scripture. They make their own God out of um, a system and a routine. And it's demonic. It is it there there's a there's there are demon forces behind every religion on the earth. And I can give you story after story of going into India and um you know finding out that a guy worships worships the monkey god and um start casting demons out of the guy and um you know tell you crazy stories about this guy flying around trees like a monkey and just it's crazy man. The what people worship um is what is actually hidden hidden inside of them. It's demonic, okay? So the way the demonic slithers into you is it gets you to believe a screwed up religion. It's idol worship, okay? And the law of Moses, that's, if, when they twist it and make it about a system and a religious routine and conditions, um, it's the same thing, Right? The scales fell off of Paul's eyes. He's having deliverance, guys. There are demons being driven out of Paul supernaturally as Ananias is laying his hands on Paul and saying, no, Paul, you're not a Christian killer. You're not the guy that uh, is the zealous one doing this righteous, self-righteous work in the temple and, and literally killing Christians to prove your loyalty to the club, Right? Ananias is laying his hands on him and prophesying, here's the word of the Lord to you. Here's the word of the Lord to you, Saul. You're called to the nations. You're called to carry the name of the Lord. You're called, right? And when he, when, when that happens, literally, Paul is having deliverance. Scales are coming, are literally falling off of his eyes. And you may gloss over that and not realize what's going on, but I've done this enough. I know exactly what's going on. I've seen so many um, people manifest demons in so many different ways. It's not even funny. I, we've we've cast demons out of people and suddenly you're inundated with these awful smells, cigarette smoke, um, body odor smells, smells of, of cattle barns. I mean, just bad, bad odors, okay? Um, I've, we, we've cast demons out of witches and warlocks and people literally levitate 
because of these powerful demons being um, in inside of people. I've seen I've seen witches vomit blood because of doing blood candles and different sacrificial type of things. Um, I've seen seen people with extreme strength. I've seen uh, you know just physical contortions. I saw I saw uh, I saw. Uh, this has happened on several occasions where people have fallen to the ground and literally started slithering across the floor like like snakes, right? I mean, other, other people just fall to the ground. They cry and wail. Demons beg, don't cast me out. Um, there's all kind of, of um, you know, signs, so to speak, evidences of scales of demons being driven out, Right. And it's no different than, than Paul. And I just want to encourage you, you're no, you think you're better than Paul. You think you're better than, than anybody else. Anybody else in ministry who enters a supernatural realm, um, goes through a very deep season of self-deliverance. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it here today, but, uh, man, my, my first five, five, six, seven years, it was routine to be in some type of deliverance where the Lord is revealing something to me, speaking something to me, confronting something. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm casting things out, right? I'm driving demonic forces out, um, with some of these manifestations. And so it's a prideful thing for you to think that, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I even want to enter into supernatural. I want to embrace the prophetic realm. I want to embrace this uh, deliverance ministry thing without going through any of it on your own, right? I mean, I've I've been in deliverance sessions where deliverance ministers, <laughs> as you're calling demons out of out of people, deliverance ministers, people that are helping me, Suddenly they fall down to their knees, start coughing, choking, and, and puking into a bucket as we hit a stronghold that's in them that's in the person we're ministering to. Happens all the time. <laughs> and so to be a deliverance minister, you have to have such a degree of humility, it's not even funny. I And, and when, when people hear me talk, they're like, why? I can't understand how you're so reliant on the Holy Spirit, right? How, how does that make sense? Well, guess what? When I'm in the middle of the war and I'm casting demons out of people or demons out of myself, I don't, I mean, the, the book, the scripture is, you know, it's sitting there on the table. It's not doing anything for me. What I'm relying on is the Holy Ghost. He's literally standing beside me with his hand on me or hand on the people doing, doing the supernatural work. So I am so Holy Spirit reliant because he's real. Right. You can't you can't fake it in the middle of deliverance. You can't you literally can't fake when you're prophesying to people and they're falling down, weeping because you literally walked into their heart and releasing seeds that are changing their life. And the strongholds are breaking and they're falling before your eyes. There is no substitute for it. There is no there is no like the best um, Bible Pictionary guy. Right. There, there's there's nothing that can substitute earthly knowledge for spiritual knowledge. Right. We, we talked about that before, about not true knowledge is spiritual because it's relational in the time that you need and know the one who speaks. OK. And so, um, you know, I got a lot of stories that I that I could get into. But I mean, at the end of the day, guys, you are warrior poets you are willing to lay your life down just like Ananias to go and speak something that the Lord calls you um, to do. Um, and um, I mean, I'll just tell you a few stories here to close up for today. Uh, but whenever I, uh, I preached in the prison for, I don't know, two or three years. And that was just an amazing fun time of life because you walk into a prison and you realize how vulnerable you are and everything, everything changes when you walk behind those bars. Okay. Um, and I mean, I would stand in rooms, um, very few guys that claimed Christianity and, you know, I'd get 30, 40, 50 guys to come into a room and they would, they would come, they would come literally because they didn't want to sit in their prison cell anymore. So I said, all right, 
I'm going to use this to my advantage. And so I I kind of put the, the Bible teaching away and I said, <clears throat> I'm just going to start prophesying over people. And um, a lot of guys wouldn't do this, but you know what? You only live once. So um, in this one particular story, you know, when, you, when you're looking at a guy in prison that has teardrops on his face, those are those are outward markings of, yeah, I'm a bad guy. These are how many people I've killed. You know, they see two, two tears, five tears. Maybe a guy has tears running down his whole face. I don't know. I mean, and so this guy, he had a few, few teardrops under his eye. Um, and I called him out. I called him. I asked him to come up in front and I started to prophesy over this guy. Um, and as I'm prophesying over this guy, this guy that was one of the hardest muscle, you know, leader guys in the whole place. When the, when the direct voice of God steps through a man's heart, breaks through the walls that, uh, that he, that, that self-defined persona that he has that keeps him the tough guy and the ruler of the prison. um, Guess what? Prophecy breaks, it, it literally reorders the whole situation because the Lord in this spiritual discernment gift allows me to bypass all those walls and speak to a stronghold in his heart and watch a grown man with, with a, you know, he's, he's a made man, right? In prison. That's what they call him, a made man. You know, and when I speak, speak these prophetic words, the guy literally starts to shake and tremble from the inside and says, what's going on with me? What is happening to me? And the next thing you know, the guy falls to the floor (laughs) and Jesus literally revealed himself that he's real as I'm prophesying to this guy, right? And five minutes later, this guy literally is having deliverance. He's expelling demons (laughs) and, and this is going on for five, 10 minutes. And, um, he, he received, he literally in that moment receives Christ as his Lord and savior because he knew he was real right? Before, all he was was this so-called Bible character from this Bible, this scripture that people talk about that, you know, in his mind, isn't any different between the, the Easter bunny or, or you know, the, the cow god in India. They're all the same. They, they're, he has never seen the power of, of either, right? And so now, Jesus literally is witnessing to this guy through the gift of prophecy as Jesus is stepping into this guy's heart to reorder and confront this stronghold, right? And this guy's, he's breathing heavy. He's, what's wrong with me? He's, he's like, what's going on? And anyway, long story short, this guy accepts Christ. And um, a year later, this guy ends up being literally a teacher in the prison. He, he, his life was converted, Right. And because of prophecy. And so, I mean, um, you know, in another story, um, you know, it takes some guts to utilize a word of knowledge in a public setting, right? Because you got to know the, the voice of the Lord, right? So um, I'm, I'm ministering in this church this one time and um, I see, you know, the hand of God literally reach into this woman's chest and grab hold of this black mass and pull it out. And so I call her up and I said, do you have an illness in your body? And she says, yes, I have stage, I think it was stage two lung cancer. And I said, well, the Lord is healing you right now. In the name of Jesus, your lung cancer is removed and you're, you are healed in the name of Jesus. Guess what? She comes back two weeks later shock and awe, weeping like the whole church is now weeping because she's standing up in front of it and saying, I was ready to die. I had, I had made my, you know, made my peace, so to speak. But that prophecy literally healed me. Amen. And so the, the it takes guts to obey the voice of the Lord, but it's also, it's a risk reward process. You can't be afraid of failing, guys. You literally have to know that that the Lord is with you. And hey, if you screw up, you screw up. So what? I'd rather screw up and err on the side of obedience than err on trying to protect myself and not doing it. Okay? Um, 
Some of you guys have heard me tell this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's important for this, for the context of what we're, we're doing here. I was sitting down, I think it was 2010. I was sitting down at Easter dinner. My wife had just pulled the food out of the oven. We've got, you know, a house full of people, people from church, people, family, um, literally 40 plus people loaded in this house. I get a plate of food. I sit down and the Lord spoke to me as clear as a bell. And he says, I want you to go to 7-Eleven. And there was a 7-Eleven convenience store. Um, I don't know, a mile and a half, two miles down the road. So um, I was smart enough at this point not to say anything publicly, especially to my wife. I just let my plate go and I slid out the through the, through the garage, got in my car, went down and I walk in and I'm standing there. Five minutes goes by and the Lord doesn't point me to anybody. He doesn't point me to a person at all. Okay. 10 minutes go by. I'm walking. I'm talking to the clerk. I'm, I'm walking through this. They're not that big stores, right? They're just, they're, they're little convenience stores. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And finally, like 15 minutes go by and I'm like, what the heck? I missed it. I What's going on? Right. And so I get in my car and I'm mad, right? I'm like, what the heck, Lord? I mean, you told me in the middle of Easter dinner to go down to 7-Eleven and nothing happened. And, you know, I'm griping. I'm like, what the heck? I'm I'm perplexed, right? Because this is uh, so unusual. But it was one of the most profound moments of my life because I got in my car, I pulled, pulled in the garage, got in my car, put my hand on the the uh, door that opens into the kitchen of the house. And as soon as I put my hand on the handle, the Lord literally, I mean, I mean, just flooded my heart. He says, I just wanted to see if you'd go. I just wanted to know that no matter what the circumstance, anything, I wanted to know if you'd go. And I'll tell you what, guys, I became, that was a moment that changed me profoundly in erring in the side of whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, no matter what, becoming so sensitive to the voice, the most supernatural thing there is that he has given you access to is his voice, relationally to know him face to face, to be absolutely dependent on him and to know that whether he's sending you to one, whether he's sending you to test your heart, whether he is sending you to a thousand or 10,000 or 50,000. It's all the same in his eyes. He's after an obedient heart who is sensitive to the only thing that can give life, the seed, the voice of God, the direct voice of God, that your heart becomes um, aware and surrounded and literally guards the voice at all costs. And that is the one thing that, that Satan can't beat. He can't come. He can't steal it. If he can't steal life from your heart, guess what? The world is going to be turned upside down by the supernatural power of life that the Lord has given you. It's a weapon, guys. It's a gift. It is a supernatural gift. So I just want to pray. I want to close today. If there's anybody out here who's never received the gift of prophecy, um, Lord, I just I just pray for people right now that there would be a fresh baptism in the revelation of prophecy, both the spirit of prophecy and the gift of prophecy. Lord, I pray that your voice would be so profound in the hearts of men, Lord, that they would begin to ask you secret supernatural questions, Lord, and deliverance would come into their own life. Lord, I pray that they would even begin to have fun in being set free from things that have held them captive, things where they've tried to believe and, and follow you, but they've been held captive. They've been imprisoned by dead religious things and broken family traditions and demonic dedications in previous lives and and everything that uh, any forefathers did with witchcraft or, or idolatry. Lord, I just break those lies now in the name of Jesus. I sever them and I command um, the stronghold to be to fall down dead, to, to, le- to loose its grip, from the hearts of the people. Lord, and I pray that the spirit of prophecy, the seed of life, the one thing that can reproduce and multiply in the kingdom, Lord, would become so valuable, so valuable in their heart, Lord, that not only would they be transfigured, transformed in the midst of, of wherever they're at, Lord, but 
everybody around them would say, oh my goodness, what happened to you? Why are you glowing? Why are you so alive? Why are you so happy? Why are you so filled with life? Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the grace of, of the spirit of prophecy, the living Christ, the one on the war horse in the book of Revelation. Lord, I pray for that anointing to come and to make those who are listening to this so bold, so supernatural, that the enemy is afraid at the sound of their coming. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let this grace come upon every person hearing right now. In the name of Jesus. All right, guys, it's great talking to you today. Have a great week and look forward to our next time with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.